and welcome to Retrospection. In this episode, we're beaming into our favourite sci-fi franchise as we take a look at Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. But will it make you hit warp speed, or is it just limping on impulse? My name's Colin, and not everybody keeps their genitals in the same place. Tell me about it. I know. Mine are in a pickle jar located in the back of the fridge behind the cheese that's been there so long that a tricorder registers it as a life form. Moldy? I don't know its first name. And my name's Paul, and I can't believe I kissed you. Oh, you always say that, though. <laughs> and yet, you're still doing it. Hey, what? <laughs> <laughs> TMDB says, after years of war, the Federation and the Klingon Empire find themselves on the brink of a peace summit when a Klingon ship is nearly destroyed by an apparent attack from the Enterprise. Both worlds brace for what may be the deadliest encounter. That sounds dramatic does yeah mm. it stars somebody called william shatner yay as captain james t kirk leonard nimoy as mr spock i don't know why i'm doing the cast list everybody knows <laughs> but i'll do it deforest kelly as dr leonard mckay christopher Plummer as general chang george takai as captain hikaru sulu james duhan as montgomery scott walter koenig as pavel chekov michelle nichols as uhura mac leonard as sarak David Warner as Chancellor Gorkon, and Kim Cottrell as Lieutenant Valeris. It's, it's, um, I was going to say, it's a good cast, but it's the same cast in every Star Trek movie. But... (laughs) 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 Um, You mean like the the supporting roles or the other roles that have been added to this one are are good quality actors? Absolutely. I'd completely forgotten that um, Mark Leonard turned up in one scene in this movie. Yeah. So yeah, he, here's a question. Here's a question for you, though, Colin. Did you watch the, cine- the 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 version that was released to the cinema, or did you watch the special edition? Ah, well, I meant to watch the director's cut, but ended up watching the theatrical version. That's good, because so did I. I did the exact oh, same right. thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, this this bit's missing from this, and then I looked and I thought, oh, bugger. <laughs> <laughs> Too late now. Too late now. I'd already started. <laughs> oh well, at least we're on the same page. Yeah, yep. it's a it's a page with less lines, but it's the same page. It'll go quicker, won't it? That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. So we should point out that Star Trek V was a commercial and critical disappointment. Yeah, and if you want to hear more about Star Trek V, we, we we've covered it in the past. Yeah, for once we're almost doing them in the right order. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until we go back and do Star Trek The Motion Picture at some point and completely ruin it. Oh, my memory's playing tricks on me because we've been doing these podcasts for so long now. I feel like we've done Star Trek. Maybe I've done it in my head. <laughs> well, you may I've well done have. the whole podcast of Star Trek The Motion Picture in my head one evening. You know what I think it is? I think it's because we've had so many conversations about Star Trek The Motion Picture that it, it might as well have been the podcast, really. That's true, mm-hmm. that's true. We should really do that one. We should, we should. Director's yeah. cut? Obviously. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, especially the new oh, one. Oh, it's beautiful, isn't the, it? The 4K, yeah. Beautiful. So they were going to do a Starfleet Academy film at this point. But... Yeah, with the, the original cast just bookending it, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, which uh, seems to rear its ugly head every so many years right keeps coming back well the 2009 jj abrams star trek was kind of that wasn't it yeah that's true mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's not a bad movie yeah it's okay it's it's yeah i mean it's one of those that i think 
I think less of it every time I see it. Yeah, I can see what you mean. I mean, it, 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 if I'm going to watch a Star Trek movie, those three movies aren't my go-to. Right. Well, let, well let's not mention Into Darkness because <laughs> you know my feelings on that. I, I think, yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And if anyone would like to know yeah. Colin's feelings, if you donate to our Patreon, he'll, uh, he'll record <laughs> them just for you and send them to you. Oh, I've got a lot to say. <laughs> Three hours worth. No, yeah, nobody wants to hear it. It's longer than the film. <laughs> Where it's scene by scene of what's wrong with that film. You know, I'm surprised that we stayed away from Into Darkness when we did our two-part Star Trek The Next Generation episode a few, uh, few months ago. I mean, because, you know, my therapist says the PTSD, I need to stop thinking about Yeah, you it. don't want to have those flashbacks, do you? So. No. Walter Koenig wrote a script. What for a sixth movie? Yeah. Okay. It was. It was. It was. It had the code name of In Flanders Field. Okay. And and what yeah. was it about? Well, they turned. They turned. It was about the Romulans joining forces with Starfleet to fight the Klingons. Okay. And everybody, like all the Starfleet crew, were like they were about to be put out to pasture. Mm-hmm. So it had that like end of line feel about it. Oh, I wonder why they rejected that then. I would imagine Nick Meyer was the one that rejected it when he came on. Possibly, board. Yeah. 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 I mean, Walter Coke. I can never pronounce his name. How do you pronounce it? Well, I said Koenig, but it could, people pronounce it Koenig, and I, I'm not entirely. I'll call sure. him Chekhov. Um, he. You think? You think after all this time we get you'd, it you'd right? You think so? And, you know, respect him enough you'd to learn so, it. Yeah. Um, He's written comic books and things, Star Trek comic books. So, he, you know, he he can write. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably done Babylon 5 stuff I would imagine too, so. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So they went with this? Well, is that it? Is that all the info you want? <laughs> I know, I've got info. You want some info? Well, give me... Yeah, I want okay. some info. Give me some info. There's a great story about um, when Gary Marshall was shooting Frankie and Johnny at the same studio. Did you hear about this? No, oh, tell I me. I sound like Jay Leno then, didn't I? You hear about this? You hear about this? Um, and I sounded like one of those guests who does know about it but pretends not to just so you can get something to say. <laughs> no, no, Paul. Tell me all about He's it. so professional, Colin. So Gary Marshall um, arranged for Kirk and Spock to be standing on the other side of a door when Pacino opened it just to capture the right look of surprise on his face. They were in full costume. Can you imagine opening a door and being confronted by William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy in full costume as Kirk and Spock? It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? You think so? I mean, what would you say? Live long and prosper. <laughs> would you? Would you? Is that what you'd go with? Would you? And then, and then you'd spend the rest of your life hating yourself. <laughs> Probably not as much as Shatner would hate me. Oh, that's mm-hmm. true because that was one of the the problems with this because. Shatner did not want Nimoy to direct it. Yeah, they had a weird um, one for me, one for you deal, didn't they? In terms of directing, unofficial, yeah. I think. But yeah. yeah, yeah, or at least just do just do William Shatner's head. <laughs> well, he got his way. <laughs> well, he did. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah. But he had to he had to almost kill the franchise to get yeah. it. <laughs> I'm glad in a way because um, you have to admit that Nick Meyer probably produced the two best, arguably the two best Star Trek movies. Although yeah. I think we both yeah. <laughs> we both would would put another one at, at the top of the list, wouldn't we? Which we just talked about. 
Star Trek Five. That's the one. No, <laughs> no the motion yeah. picture. Yeah, motion picture. Yeah. Um, but but you know, we're viewed as mad in that respect. I think so. Time will change. I always think that Nick Meyer was very good at getting a good performance out of Shatner, though. Don't you think? Yeah, I, I remember him saying how he did that. I think it's in the commentary for Star Trek Two. Is that Shatner doesn't like to do lots and lots of takes, mm-hmm. and he gets tired doing lots and lots of takes. So Meyer just got him to do lots and lots of takes until Shatner was just like, ugh, and just did yeah. the lines. And he's like, yeah. Because otherwise he'd be over the top for what the scene called for. I think the, um, the, the moment that you're referring to, isn't it, when he had to say fire in Star Trek Two. It's when they had to, it's, it, well, it's the scene where he has to do the code. That's the one. To drop the shields yeah. on the other ship. And, he, and yeah. he says something like, here it comes. No. And yeah. Yeah, and he was always over the top, yeah. so he just kept filming it and filming it until, he's, until Shatler just was just like firing the line <laughs> off without curring. And that's the take they use. Hey, if it works, it works. And it, again, in I would say probably outside of the motion picture, Star Trek Two and Star Trek Six are probably Shatner's best performances in the movies. I would agree, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I mean, you yeah. compare his performance in this to Star Trek V, where he's just directing himself. <laughs> and it's completely different, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gene Roddenberry was quite frail and in a wheelchair, uh, hooked up to oxygen at the time of this movie, but he still managed to give Nick Meyer some grief, didn't he? Oh, did mm. he? Give him some notes? Yeah, um, he he wanted lots of changes made. He didn't like the whole... He, he certainly didn't like um, the way that some of the characters were behaving in the movie. You know the the bigotry oh, really? that was that was on show from certain characters. Oh, okay. And um, they had a lot of arguments, uh, Gene Roddenberry and, and uh, Nick Meyer. And to this day, Nick Meyer feels quite bad about it about the way that he spoke to Gene Roddenberry because he died a few weeks after the last meeting, and he always regretted the way that he conducted himself in that meeting. Uh, that's I I I I have a feeling that's how we're going to end up. <laughs> I'm going to insult you in the podcast <laughs> and then I'm going to get the message that, you know, while you, while you had that orange in your mouth and you were hanging from your closet, <laughs> it just went a little too far. And that's, and I'm going to feel, 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 I'm going to be, I'm going to be torn because obviously I'm going to be chuckling about the of way course, you went. Yes. But also I'm going to be saddened by the fact that the last time I spoke to you was to insult you. Well, it hasn't happened yet. No, no, I'll get over it pretty quickly. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. You know, in fact, Roddenberry died within 48 hours of viewing the completed film. You would have think Star Trek V would have killed him off. The final nail <laughs> in the coffin. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you ever think about the fact, what, what would Gene Roddenberry, what would his reaction be to... <laughs> go on. I know where you're going, but to, go on. Uh, to the track that we get today. Uh, oh, I, I, I couldn't even imagine it. I mean... I'll be honest with you. I don't think Gene Roddenberry called it right on everything that he ever said or did. I'm not one of those people. No, no. But at least he was but, he, he was steering, as we've said before. At least many he had times. a vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, can can you imagine his? <laughs> can you imagine his uh, reaction to something like Discovery? Yeah. Magic crystals. <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
I know where he'd put them. I can imagine. I can imagine. The opening of the film was originally going to be Kirk and Spock assembling the crew back together. And Scotty was apparently going to be disassembling the captured bird of prey from Star Trek IV. Oh, yeah, they're bringing it up from the San Francisco Bay. Yeah. Uh, wasn't Mackay drunk at a, at a medical convention or something? That's right. Uh, Uhura was a radio host. Right. Chekhov was playing chess. That's, was he a chess master? That's it, yeah. It would have been a, that would have been a fun, a fun thing to do, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was Spock doing? I, I didn't Can't read what Spock was doing. I didn't find that one. But um, oh. apparently the, the much of the scrap concept was used in a Star Trek novel called The the Fearful Summons, I think in 95. Oh, I'd check that out. Mm. But they, they didn't do it because the location... It's weird. They, the article I read said the location work would have pushed the budget up. And it's like, what location work? I mean, they don't actually have to be in the places you pretended them to be. It's called a movie. Yeah, I mean, all you need is a couple of sound stages, and so you can even do it minimalist, really, couldn't you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Chekhov playing chess, close up on his face, pan down to a chessboard. He goes, checkmate. Yeah. And then someone leans over and goes, we've got a message for you. Done. You do, Cut. You do it all in a montage. It doesn't have to be a long thing, does it? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kim Cattrall uh, initially turned the movie down. Uh, she thought that she would be playing Savick, but then when she found out that it was actually a new character that they created for her, she, um, she, she, she decided to do it. And she had a lot of input into the character's look as well. She designed the hairstyle and she went so that people could see the ears more. And Right. right. Did you read uh, a weird story about her possibly posing nude on the bridge set? out of hours for photographs no are you sure that's just something you've pulled from your imagination no 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 apparently the, the there's lots and lots of of talk about it happening and that when nimoy found out he lost his shit with her apparently and she got asked about it on some interview um a while ago and she uh, she literally cut the interview dead and said i can't talk about that wow so maybe after, maybe that. it didn't yeah, hmm? you you you'd want to see those pictures, though, wouldn't you, Colin? No, because I'm not a sexist misogynist like you, Paul. <laughs> well, it's research for the podcast. However, I am into naked Vulcans. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so, oh. What spark? Um, and a and a wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to say sorry. <laughs> 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 to Paul, <clears throat> we're just working our way through Vulcans now. We're, just, we're we're both sat here desperately trying to remember the Vulcan name for the character in Enterprise. You said it to Paul. Uh, is it to Paul? I thought yeah. to Paul was the. Oh, I guess yeah, because you, she's the same think, character, right? Yeah. Are you thinking of Tapau? All right, Tapau is the one from Star Trek. The motion picture, right? She's the one that is taking part in Spock's ceremony. Or is she the one from A Mock Time? She's the one from A Mock Time. <laughs> okay. okay, I get there eventually. Working my way through Vulcans. Yeah, to power, she was like China in your hand. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just glad you, you could use the only single that they actually had. She's the only one I know. Uh... <laughs> yeah, oh, oh don't, don't worry, Paul. It's the only one anybody knows. 
there seemed to be. Let's get back on track, eh? There seemed to be. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there's only one track shining your hand. <laughs> we just discussed it. There, there seemed to be lots of disagreements between actors and Nicholas Mayer over certain lines and attitudes in this movie, um, particularly Brock Peters and Nichelle, Nich- Nichelle Nichols. Nichelle Nichols, even. She, in particular, had problems with, with some of the lines. And you can see why. You know, she, you know the, the, the line that Chekhov says, guess who's coming to dinner? Mm-hmm. That was meant to be her line, and she refused to say it. I don't mind that line. That's the least of my problems with her character in this film. <laughs> well, she had problems with there's her a character. Whole, there's a whole scene I don't like. I don't know, and she didn't like it either, that scene. Okay. We'll talk about it. it makes no sense. No, I know. I know. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, when we get yeah. there. Um, it's funny if it's a different scene, we're thinking. <laughs> I'll edit it so it fits. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. All right, okay. But there's a, lot of, there's a lot of bigotry on show, and I think that as, as, as um, African-American actors... They felt um, a little bit uncomfortable with it, with some of the some of the uh, how people describe the Klingons. Yeah, some of the phrases that they like. Have, the, to use. have you seen the way they he- eat yeah. and all that kind of thing? Yeah, I think oh, they okay. find it a little bit uncomfortable. Well, isn't that isn't that the point of it though? Yeah, yeah, uh, and I think that's mm-hmm. why Nick Mayer stuck to his guns a lot of the time. Apparently, Brock Peters. Um, you know the, the 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 big scene that we'll get to in a minute, where he's talking about how um, we need to bring them to their knees and you know all that kind of thing. Apparently, he had to do that in bits because he just he just felt really uncomfortable doing it, and he kept he kept stopping. You know, he's talking about Klingons, right? Yeah, I know it is a bit strange. I mean, uh, and also that that's the point, and it makes it more of an interesting point that he's the character that delivers the line. I agree. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. It's a bit strange. All right. All right, let's beam into the film. <laughs> so we begin with a nice Fudgeen Roddenberry. Which it, it's kind of funny if, if people were hating him at this point and getting annoyed by him, and then they they do that. And the fact it's so like backhanded. And the fact that he didn't like the movie anyway. Yeah, that, that, that's a weird. What do you think of the music? It's a very un Star Trek type of score, isn't it? It's got some some elements of Trek though in it, but it's a very foreboding score. I like it. Yeah, it's full of menace, and I wrote foreboding. In my notes. Did yes. you? Mm-hmm. It's by um, a, a guy that I'm not really that familiar with with some of his work. Cliff Eidelman, I think is his name. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I like it as well. Yeah. I think I like it because it, it didn't feel very trekish to me. Yeah. Yeah. So we begin with an explosion and we find out that Sulu is commanding the USS Excelsior. How do you feel about Sulu being captain? I'm fine with that. I'm fine with Sulu. Yeah. Seems like a proper career choice and development out of all the bridge crew of the original star trek you would imagine that he's the one that become captain yeah it makes sense i mean he was always taking over the con and original series a lot of the time and That's wasn't true. he supposed That's wasn't true. he supposed to have been a captain in star trek 2 and shatner put the uh kibosh on it oh you mean like not in the story but behind the production mm. scenes mm-hmm. probably yeah yeah because they, they they have issues yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. Well, I've got I've got a little thing about that later. We'll talk about that. I always like it when you when you bring out your little thing. I'll do it more and more for you, Colin. 
All right, I'll get my microscope. Hang on, little thing. This is insulting, isn't it? I just got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. So, what do you think of the Excelsior's look? It looks all right. Is it the same look that it had in uh, the previous film, isn't it? Star When they, they think that's what they're going to get, mm-hmm. and they don't get it. So it looks fine. It's a nice-looking ship. I, I mean, it's no, it's no Enterprise. No, I always think the nacelles look a bit odd. You know, with that weird, the way that they sort of go out and then turn upwards. I think it doesn't you, work. You've always been very nacellist. It's something you're gonna to have to work on. I'm trying. I'm trying to do better, Colin. I am. Yeah, you should. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to Nacelles Anonymous, Colin. I'm trying to. You I'm, are, trying, to, I'm yeah, trying to deal with yeah. the problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that a two-step program? Or is that a nine nine warp step program? <laughs> nine warp. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that explosion effect um, has been used in so many other things as well. Stargate. I think they used it in the Star Wars reissues as well, didn't they? For the, for the... Oh, did they? It's a good explosion. Looks good. Well, apparently, all, all the model effects and CGI additions are good in this film. Oh, I agree. Oh, from his face, he's going to argue with me. I agree. Look at his face. His little pointy lips. I think something it's... looks a bit dated. And um, when we get oh. to it, I'll I'll mention it. Um, right. But uh, the, yeah, this effect—it's actually called now the, the Praxis effect. Oh, is it? Not named after the moon that explodes. That's right. Because that's a Klingon moon called mm-hmm. Praxis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this energy wave, like, rocks the ship. Which, and I like the uh, cup that shakes first. They just see it as a tremor. I was going to say, do you think that Sulu asked to have a table installed by his chair just to put his tea on? I think it folds out. I think they've all got them. Oh, dear. But, but Kirk, Kirk doesn't use it for his beer. <laughs> it's, it's definitely something you'd have, right? Oh, good God, yes. Yeah. I'd have a teapot. <laughs> Look, what, well, actually, I was going to say, I'm not going down to the galley every time I want a cup of tea, but you'd send your yeoman to get your tea, wouldn't you? So That's true. Yes. You, don't actually, you don't actually need a no, table. I suppose you still need a table to put it on. Yeah, yeah. You know what, Paul? I've changed my mind. I want a table. I'd just be happy with cup holders on my armrests, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's, you know. Don't mark it. Go on. Person. Yeah, it's yeah, the type of person you are, aren't you? Sulu's not going to have cup holders. It's a it's a whole ritual. His cup of tea. It seems to be, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. he brews a proper cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not like some people. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want any of the backstory to that, then <laughs> again, donate to the Patreon, and Colin will fill you in. Oh, did you see uh, who the comms officer on the Excelsior is? It's Janice Rand. It is, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, nice and see. she's in the uh, final shot as well. Yeah, good, good, good to see her. I'm guessing, yes. I'm guessing that she got a sideways promotion after killing those two people in Star Trek: The Motion Picture in that transport, quote unquote, transporter accident. That, that oh, you think she did it on purpose? No, I just think she's incompetent. Oh, that's harsh. Two people died. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, they did, you know? Yeah. Well, it gets me with that, and we're talking about a different film, but it's then everyone's like, oh, there's this guy, and he's complaining about using the transport to be... And you're like, yeah, two people just died in it. I'd be complaining too. Yeah, they're, they're, they're literally scraping up whatever came back to... Yeah, they're still smoldering. Yeah. He, probably, he, he probably saw that. <laughs> it's true. He would have stood on that transport like, yeah, pad, wouldn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. You want to beam up now? No, no, thank you. <laughs> Take the shuttle. <laughs> What's, what's Kirk, that mess? Kirk didn't beam. I noticed Kirk didn't beam in. <laughs> he took a shuttle. 
Yeah, they didn't risk it for him, did they? <laughs> no, why do the rest of us have to yeah. beam in? Yeah. He's Kirk, though. Yeah. yeah. We'll save this. We could reuse it for our motion picture podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just copy and paste it in. No one. No yeah, one yeah, yeah. They'll just have forgotten that. No, that no. That's true, yeah. Uh, so uh, then we get the Enterprise crew turning up at Starfleet headquarters for a meeting that they know nothing about. Which is a bit weird, but okay. I suppose if you like, they tell you it's a classified meeting that you have to attend, they don't have to tell you what it is because it's classified. Yeah, yeah, I suppose, yeah. I mean, it's a need-to-know thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I do think that, I uh, do, Spock's, I do think, sorry, go on. I do think looking at them that this was probably the right time for them to bow out. They're visibly older, but they're still managing to pull it off at this point, I think. Yeah, we're, we're, not, a, we're not a view to a kill at this no. point. But, but we're getting no, there. No, no. Um, and so much for the idea that Starfleet isn't a military organisation with this scene. I mean, it's very militaristic, isn't it? Well, uh, Nicholas Mayer has always pushed the military aspect of Starfleet. He did in Star Trek too, mm. right? I mean, he, he, he's responsible I mean, for those uniforms. Is. Starfleet it? is a military organisation, let's be yeah. honest. It is. Yeah. Uh, Shatner's really good in this briefing room scene, isn't he? Yes, and I like the animosity between Spock and Kirk in this because we don't normally see that. No, no, and it, it, it's nicely played out at the end of the movie. Well, not the end of the movie, but towards the end of the movie when um, you just see, you, you see how close these two really are, I think, in this movie. Yeah, don't yeah, and, and, and no one's crying, no one's shouting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one's getting emotional. Right. There's a little there's tension. Mm-hmm. It's heightened emotion, but it's not pure emotion mm-hmm. no one's losing it yeah that's how adults behave in an organization like Starfleet I'm getting deja vu here <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This conversation. Okay. I agree right. with every, well, word, every word you've said although yeah. Shatner he was upset with the final cut apparently as he apparently he played the line let them die with instant regret and he really wanted um, Nicholas Meyer to show that but when he actually put it together, he cuts away from it to Spark, so you don't see it. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting choice because if you had the regret, then the redemption at the end isn't as strong. Yeah, so some Nicholas Mayer made the right decision, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I think it works well anyway. I mean, Kirk isn't really a bigot, is he? He's just blinkered by what's happened to his son in terms of Klingon. Yes, he's, he's bringing personal yeah. baggage to the mm-hmm. situation. Right. One thing I don't get is like they're talking about, oh, if if we're not fighting the Klingons, we're going to be mothballing Starfleet. Doesn't Starfleet have yeah. other enemies to deal yeah. with? They spent three seasons of Star of Star Trek in the original series. I think they met an enemy a week, didn't they? Yeah, there's 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 a lot of lot of aliens mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a bit weird. This is this is just one less. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit weird. There, there's lots of. Um, strange moments in, in this film that feel very odd in universe, I think. Do you think that's because they were pushing the, the at the time, the Russia versus America, which is what this is, like, alluding to? And whereas if America doesn't have Russia, at the time there wasn't anybody else that they were really fighting against because China wasn't yeah. a situation at that point. But... Starfleet isn't America because it's a planet and it's not, it's not just mm-hmm. one planet. It's a whole group of planets against other planets and planets they've not even yeah. seen yet. Yeah. And it's what Star Trek always did best, 
was telling a, a, a story that was relevant to the time it was being made in, but doing it in an allegorical... I can't say that way. I can never say that word. Allegorical way. Oh. By um, not actually telling that story, but telling it, you know, it's about aliens and it's about other things. and Not like what Picard season two did. Uh. <laughs> oh, what were they? Were they, were they blatantly tell you what's going on and then instruct you to think a certain yeah. way and that you're wrong if you don't think the way the exactly. writers think. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Whereas this Star mm-hmm. Trek says, this is what's mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. You decide, think yeah. about it. Yeah. I completely agree with that. So Spock has volunteered the crew of the enterprise to escort Chancellor Gorkon into Federation space for a peace summit. And that's what causes the issues between Spock mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Kirk. Because Kirk never trusted Klingons, and he never will. Klingon bastards. All right, no, I'm just quoting. I'm quoting. Quote. film. Don't want your personal opinion. <laughs> I'm quoting the great man himself. Oh, that's Winston it. Churchill said that. <laughs> Didn't know that. He's ahead um, of his time. Um, but Kirk being an officer and obviously going to do what Starfleet mm-hmm. tells us to do, he goes uh, along with it. And so off they go in a nice little uh, little scene leaving the space station. Yeah, why are they using a shuttle to get to space dock instead of transporters? Do they use a shuttle? Yeah, to they fly to, to the space dock in a, in a shuttle craft. This, was, this, this is one of the few, few films where the Enterprise isn't like under repair. Yeah, in fact, it's one of, I think it's the only one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but there's lots of, of things like that in this film. Like, why uh, aren't they using replicators anymore to make food? Now, did they make replicators in previous Star Trek films, or is that a Star Trek The Next Generation thing? No, they had replicators in the original series, didn't they? They put their little yeah, discs suppose, into yeah, the but wall. There's, there's, the... There's, no, they didn't have replicators. No one, no one was replicating chicken and uh, burgers. It was all little square... Like coloured. No, I'm things. sure there's. No, a, man, I'm sure there's. No, a... nobody went. Oh, you know what I want? A curry. <laughs> and out came a curry. Every time they ate something, there was always a little square piece of plasticine. I'm sure there's an episode where he puts his little disc into the wall. The the thing opens yeah. up and he pulls out a bowl of soup. I'm sure there's an episode that that happens in. It probably just melted one of those plasticine things. <laughs> is that is that what it is? All right. Yeah, it's just just a guy behind the wall going breathing on it. But don't don't they talk about how replicators solved all the wor- world's um, food problems? Yeah. Well, all right. Here we go then. Let let's let's assume that the canteen that where they're making this food mm-hmm. is for the officers, and that just the crew get replicated stuff. Oh, they, they get the good It's not as stuff. good. Everyone else gets the gets no. the crap. I think I think what we're dealing with here, you're dealing with Nicholas Mayer's like view of Star Trek is different from what the Star Trek universe yeah. does. Yeah. And while normally we'd get very upset about this, but we give him a, a slide. Because of who he is and because he makes good movies. Yeah. yeah. But but also I like the idea of the, the galley in the Enterprise. It, it it it's one of the few Star Trek movies where you actually feel like it's it's a it's a, a proper ship, isn't it? Yeah. Or maybe yeah. a submarine or something like that. Yeah, I'll yeah. go with that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous shot of yeah. uh, the Enterprise leaving space dock, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, and we also should point out this for our 
uh, our tech listeners, this is the only Star Trek film to be filmed in Super 35 and not anamorphic. Oh. There you go, Paul. Okay. Thank you. Um, we get another good Kirk scene when he's making his log entry. I didn't see him on the loo. I knew that was coming. Uh, <laughs> he's talking about his history and how, 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 about how history can get past people like him. Right. Um, mm. It's a good scene. And the, It is a good scene. And then he turns around and Lieutenant Valerius is there. How does she get into his cabin without him hearing the doors? Okay. Like, I, I'm beginning to suspect these doors don't really make a sound. They just pretend to occasionally. <laughs> Like in airplane two, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And she just didn't do the sound. Yeah, it's probably more likely that Kirk just got um, open access to his cabin left. for all female crew members, isn't he? <laughs> he left the door yeah. open. He's like, oh, caught me with my pants on. That's unusual. <laughs> um, don't you feel that? Um, oh, I feel that that over the course of of original Trek. Spock is a character that, that really changes and evolves over the course of the franchise, isn't he? Uh, yeah, and, uh, but I, I think that's Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not, I, I think, that, okay, uh, yeah, it's the writers, but I think Leonard Nimoy has a lot of input to the character. Yeah, he was very, for someone that, that wrote a book saying that I'm not Spock, he was very protective of, of the role and, and guided it a lot, I think, didn't he? Which is probably partly why he got annoyed with Kim Cattrall if she did actually did that nude business on mm -hmm. the bridge. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Oh, so the uh, Klingon ships turn up. You want to talk about the design? Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> I like those Klingon ships, the original look of them. Yeah. The bird of prey? No, no, no. The, 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 are they called D7 or something like that? Or... Ooh, look at you with your little, little, little spaceship <laughs> little knowledge. Te technical manual that I've got out. I do have a, I do have a stack. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you? Yeah. yeah. It's amazing you're married. It, it really is, Colin. It really is. I just think that the the they're they're in universe. They've got the, the you know they've got the nacelles and they have the same thing that all the Star mm -hmm. Trek ships have got. But they're a unique yeah. design and they're they're completely alien to what the Starfleet ship design is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, and I guess the the scene where they arrive is the first time that Kirk's ever been so close to a bird of prey. Well, that's not true because I guess in the end of Star Trek Three, he's pretty close to a bird of prey. He's on a bloody mountain stirring. That, <laughs> that is <one>. true. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is true. But I guess you're not used to having one being near the Enterprise without your shields up. I mean, I mean even Chekhov says, doesn't he? Yeah, like, uh, shields up and like shields up, Captain. He says it twice, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. He does, yeah. yeah. And so they um, they beam over the Klingons. They do, yeah. They're going to have a dinner. Uh, and we get David Warner again playing Chancellor Gorkon. Oh, yeah, we do. I forgot that he was in yeah, five. he's in five. And he also played um, the Cardassian that interrogates Picard in that two-part episode. You know, the, there are four lights. Remember that? You know, what's interesting is obviously Picard is uh, played, you know, like a, a, a 
a southern Englishman, but Patrick Stewart is, is I think he's from I Yorkshire, he is, right? Yeah. And and you you managed to conjure up his original <laughs> accent when you did it. <laughs> that's that's very good work. It's my interpretation, Colin. The four lights. <laughs> There's four lights. I hope, lad. <laughs> How many lights you see in? Oh, well, I don't know. Four, I think. Far it, far it, whip it. It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Would it? Yeah, York, Yorkshire captain. Uh, captain's log, stirred it. 2672.5. <laughs> went pub. <laughs> went down, went down, took pub in Enterprise, and then I beamed down. And I was like, oh, it was such a laugh. There were four of us. Well, I think there were five, but I could only see four. <laughs> <laughs> And then we, we've been back. Oh, We can do this because we are northern, you see, so it's not. Yeah, not from Yorkshire, though. And that wasn't really Yorkshire accent, because I've no idea what, how to do a Yorkshire accent. So. Bit like that, aye. Hey, oh. Bit like that. Oh. Christopher Plummer's Chang is an odd-looking Klingon, right? I didn't, I didn't couldn't see his Chang, who was it? <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of... He doesn't have as many ridges as a normal Klingon does, does he? No, well, I think I, I was looking at that, and all the Klingons seem to be slightly different. They're not all exactly the same. Yeah. Apparently, he did ask that the makeup be kept to a minimum. So he could emote Ma? I maybe? guess so. I guess so. Maybe he just felt it was uncomfortable and didn't like doing it. But um, there is that. Plummer and Shatner were great friends, though, weren't they? Isn't. Plumber Canadian? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There you go. They probably worked together originally, I, right? I think they were at probably did Shakespeare together. together. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I seem to remember reading at some point in the past that Plumber turned down the lead in Star Trek back in the 60s. Seriously? Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether it was Kirk or whether it was Pike in the original Ah, pilot. okay. All right. But, but he turned it down because he didn't want to do TV. Yeah. So what do you think of his performance? I mean, he's over the top. I mean, I assume he's supposed to be, and he's quoting Shakespeare all the time, and and and, and Sherlock Holmes, and it's not a Klingon, is it? No, not really. No, but you, you go with it because yeah, it's Christopher I didn't have Plummer a problem when good. I saw it the first yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, but he, he's not a Klingon. No, no, and I don't think he's even attempting to play a Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, it's just, I, and he's not playing himself. He's playing a character, but it's not a Klingon character. It's just, uh, mm -hmm. but maybe you know, we've just seen a different kind of Klingon. Yeah, more, more um, sophisticated Klingon. But you'd think in in this, that, um, because the Klingon world is very warrior based, mm -hmm. you would imagine that a Klingon spouting Shakespeare all the time would not go far in that caste system. Yeah, I mean the the. That's all through this film, though, isn't it? The Klingons don't act like Klingons very much. No, he's the no. worst. He's the most. He's the, right. he's the worst offender. But um, in in that in those terms, but none of them particularly act Klingon, do they? No, I guess not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's like to be or not to be. Pocha kochi, Just go with it, mate. Good job, is she? Yeah, totally. Could be saying anything, really, couldn't they? Yeah. Um, I'm sure I remember reading that originally Chang was supposed to be um, the father of Krug from Star Trek Three. 
Wow, right. Uh, so you wanted revenge, basically. Yeah. So right. Oh, I'm glad they dropped that. There's too much revenge going on. Too much death, dead sons. Yeah. 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 And, and, and also, like, Star Trek loves revenge. I mean, modern Star Trek does now. Every film now is a revenge story. Well, every 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 plot is trying to riff off Star Trek 2, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Oh, back to In Darkness again. <laughs> yeah, we've been there. Let's not do that again. Starting um, to shake. <laughs> There is a great mystery at the heart of this story in this movie. And when you watch it, you can see how well it's crafted, can't you? With little scenes like the two guys in the transport room. But yes, yes. And there's uh, there's one later where, where the, uh, well, we'll probably get to it, but there's a Valaris one where she gives a look. And like the first time you watch it, you're like, oh, she gives that look because it's wrong. But the second time you watch it, you're like, oh, she gives that look because they've screwed up. Yeah, it, it's all there, isn't it? Right in front of yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what a good mis- murder mystery should be. Which is what yeah. this is, really, isn't it? It's a murder mystery. It is. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. So they come on board and they have this big meal, and it's kind of a weird meal because Chang is quoting Shakespeare, and obviously the in- undiscovered country gets a, a line. And, and people make fun of it because the undiscovered country is not the future, it's death, it's death yeah. in Shakespeare. Mm hmm. And people say, oh, they keep talking about it as if it's the future. But, but yeah, that's why everyone goes quiet after he says the line. Yeah, he's, uh, what, what's the, what's the, the phrase? He's not misquoting Shakespeare. He's, he's, he's taking Shakespeare out of context, isn't he? Yes, mm. yes, because he says the undiscovered country, and everyone's like, oh, that means death. You could, everyone goes quiet. And then he goes, the future. And everyone's like, oh, okay, he mm-hmm. thinks the undiscovered country is the future. Fine, yeah. okay, that's what he's doing. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's I a good moment. Like yeah, yeah, it's a good scene yeah, actually. Then, I love watching the Klingons trying to get to grips with the uh, napkins as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's some there's some good lines. Uh, there's the Hitler 1938 line that's nice. Yeah, the, the the tension between everyone, the animosity and the atmosphere between Chang and Kirk. Um, it reminded me a lot of that scene in the original episode, Space Seed, between. Um, Kirk and Khan when they sat around the table, right? Yeah, right. there's a little bit of that going yeah. on. Yeah, it's a, it's a really it's a really good scene. Yeah, and I like that they're all getting drunk, all the Enterprise crew, because they're drinking Romulan ale. It, yeah, it see, Romulan ale seems to give you a, a, an immediate hangover as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. Not your favourite drink, then? I could take it. I'll be all right. Really? Oh, There's a challenge. Yeah. You remember that bar? There used to be a bar in London, didn't there, which was Star Trek themed. You could buy Romulan ale. Oh. Always wanted to I, go. I mean, they did a beer range too, a Star Trek beer range. I had that once. It was all right. Oh, right. No, I never tried that. For the 25th anniversary. Oh, okay. 25th anniversary? No, 50th anniversary. Because <laughs> the 25th anniversary was a long time ago. It was 50th. 50th. Yeah, you'd have been about 15, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, no, minus two. <laughs> <laughs> minus two. You were just a thought. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just a thought. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the fiftieth anniversary. They brought out some beer. Oh right, okay. Oh, well, I was going to say, I was literally going to say, I wonder if I could find some of that on eBay. But you probably wouldn't want to drink it now, would you? No, probably no, not. No. no, don't don't think don't think beer ages well. Probably not. No. Um, no. It's funny how they're all relieved um, that it's over afterwards when they all beam out, isn't it? 
Yeah, they're all unbuttoning the yeah, tunics and I, they're like, oh god. It is it is like a, a one of those company or corporate things that you're forced to do. Those dinners. Been there, done you don't that. really want to yeah. be there. Yeah. And then and then you, you you sit through it and then you're so relieved when it's finished. Yep. So um Kurt goes well he goes back to his cabin first, doesn't he? For a little and yeah he does because what what's that light yeah and he puts his, he puts his hand over his eyes like well you just turn the thing off or can you not turn yeah, what it is off? it i don't know i don't know i don't know what it is it's not like a sun because the <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what it is and he makes a note doesn't he to the galley that romeo and ale isn't to be served at functions anymore yeah i'm pretty sure this is too late in his career to be making that <laughs> as a note i'm pretty sure that's happened before yeah absolutely absolutely in, doesn't in Star Trek Two McCoy give him some Romulan ale as his birthday present or one of his birthday presents? Yeah, with the glasses. Yeah. Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he does because it's illegal. Yeah, yeah. Now, is it illegal because it's Romulan and there's a, obviously a trade embargo between them and Romulus, or is it just because it's so bloody powerful? <laughs> Probably a bit of both. Yeah. Yeah, probably. All the good things are illegal. That is true. That is true. So Kurt goes back up to the bridge. Yes. And he's tired he's yep. tired and hung over, but when something is amiss, he instantly snaps to and goes into professional mode, doesn't he? Well the adrenaline kicks mm-hmm. in and, and, and sobers you up quickly. But is it, or maybe that's a side effect of Romulan Ale. <laughs> well you can shake it off. When when you when you come under attack. Mm-hmm. I just, which Romulans like to do. I just think it's a nice Kirk moment, isn't it? That's that's that sums Kirk who Kirk is, you know. I yeah. think we saw we saw him mm. do things like that in the original series, where he'd be tired and and then something would happen and he'd just instantly snap too. As uh, yeah. You know. So then the um, the ship gets fired on. The the Klingon mm-hmm. ship gets fired on, and the torpedo appears to be coming from the Enterprise. And two guys in. Uh, suits beam over to the Klingon ship, don't they? What do you think about the zero gravity? I, uh, I'm fine with it. It looks all right. I was, I remember this is a scene because I saw this at the cinema. This is a scene. I loved it when I was, however old I was when I watched it, especially the blood floating around. It was. It, it's something that you don't see very often in Trek, is it? A the, the zero gravity. They don't. Stuff, they never. Or... They they very rarely talk about gravity. In exactly. Star Trek. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and 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 blood. You don't see blood a lot in Star Trek. No, you don't. No, and it, I think they had to color it differently, so it wouldn't get an R rating. Yeah. 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 So they made it like this pink color, which is fair enough, because who knows what color Klingon exactly. blood is. Although, I'm just worried that we've it's been seen in the original series as being green or, <laughs> or blue or something, and. <laughs> Of all the people to be worrying about it, Nick Mayer was not one of them. So, no, no, no. no th- this is like you. I felt exactly the same thing the first time I saw this. I thought it was amazing, and it, it blew me away. You know, the the blood float, the globules of blood floating around. It, it was amazing. But this is one of the, <laughs> when when we were talking about. You mentioned the mixture of, of of models and CG, and I said that there was there was something that that I don't think's aged well. Don't think the CG blood right. has aged well. Why? Because it just looks a bit cartoony now. I think. Oh, I, I didn't feel that at all. 
No? I mean, and how do you know that the, the consistency of Klingon blood looks like a cartoon? <laughs> Pal, it's alien blood. I suppose. It just didn't feel, it didn't look, I mean, they, they, you can do liquid so much more realistic now in CG, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was very yeah. early days for a yeah. liquid effect. I mean, totally. it's fine. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying that's Klingon blood. Klingon blood looks like fake All liquid. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so Kirk surrenders. Yeah, they surrender, and then Kirk and Mackay beams over because Mackay thinks he could help the Chancellor, who's been shot by these two intruders. I, I thought that Klingons don't take prisoners, so what's the point? In fact, and Kirk even says that in Star Trek Two, doesn't he, to Savick? So what's the point in surrendering? Well, I think maybe they're surrendering because this is this new age. So we moved on. There's the peace summit. Okay. So, so it's unlikely that the Klingons would turn around and kill them. It's still a bit of a risk. Uh, but also, I assume that the plan originally by Valerius and her, the people she's working with, or I've given it away that she's <laughs> a bad person, um, I assume this bit of it, Kirk surrendering, was not part of the plan. Well, that was, no. Yeah. No. So think... she felt that maybe Kirk would fire and, and then do a runner, which is the Staffley technical term for warping out of a battle. Do a runner, okay. Yeah, yeah, there's, 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 there's Sulu, yep, do a runner. For, absolutely counted. <laughs> Whoop nine, we're out of here. <laughs> it's very unsulu like, but all right. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not going to do yeah, the yeah, 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 <laughs> for reasons. Yeah, so that would start, that would, that would give Starfleet, um, basically it would start a war, wouldn't it? That Starfleet yeah, yeah, would be in a yeah. position so to win. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I do think it's brave of McCoy to go over knowing very little about Klingon anatomy. Why does he not know anything about Klingon anatomy, though? Well, how many Klingons would he have worked on? But somebody's worked on a Klingon at some point in Starfleet, surely, and that data would be available. And he's the chief medical officer on the flagship of the of Starfleet. So yeah. does he just not keep up to date on... <laughs> Well, why would he read about it? He's like, oh, I'm never going to work on a Klingon. I've got other things to worry about. Is that what McCoy's attitude would be, though, you think? No, I, I'm defending the the undefendable. All right, okay, okay. Undefendable, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like the, but, I like the subtle way that Spock attached the, the patch to Kirk's shoulder. I have always had a problem with this patch, this Viridian patch. Well, no one notices it. It's, it's huge. It's a giant black piece of Velcro. And it's there for the whole of the movie afterwards. You can see it. Yeah. 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 So they didn't search him or look at him in prison. <laughs> I've all, this is the one thing in this film that even when I was sitting in the cinema, I was like, well, I can see it. Mm. If I can see it, then everybody, even McCoy's behind him at one point. And he doesn't mention it. Why didn't McC McCoy's like, oh, what? you got something on your, on your jacket. <laughs> Throws it away. <laughs> it's like, No. <laughs> Put it back. <laughs> you, you don't know anything about Klingon medicine and you don't know about Viridian patches. <laughs> what do you know, Bones? <laughs> D. Forrest Keller's giving it his all, though, in, in the scene when he's trying to revive Gorkin, isn't he? Yeah, I like that scene where he's trying to give uh, resuscitation by thumping the hair. Yeah. And everyone's just like... Uh, what are you doing? Because yeah. it looks like he's you know, attacking him. And if you don't know, if Klingons don't use that method to resuscitate, mm -hmm. then it does look like you're trying to kill yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, and, really and, it, and it's quiet. There's no, if I remember rightly, there's no music. It's just the sound of him thumping, mm -hmm. going, ah, ah. 
and he, he's really putting his all into it as well. Yeah. And at this yeah. point, I mean... Oh, I, I didn't see an R. <laughs> That's a weird thing to bring with you, isn't it? Is it? Have you got the paddles? Oh, you mean the things that you go and charge them? Oh, no, no, the ones from the kayak. <laughs> Where have you brought them for, you prat? Look, Bones, you don't know about Klingon medicine. You don't know about Viridian patches. You're bringing kayak paddles with you. What's wrong with you, mate? Well, he's getting on. That's yeah. true, that's true, yeah. yeah. He, look, he does look a bit frail in this movie, doesn't he? I mean, he's still he's still okay, but he's he's looking a bit frail. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Anyone next to William Shatner would look frail. It, Paul, Paul, even you would look frail next to William Shatner. People are going like, Paul, you need to eat a few pies, and then you, then then Shatner walks away, and they go, "Oh, never mind, forget it." <laughs> that tunic is a bit tight in this movie. <laughs> yeah, there's something very um, Sherlock Holmes about how Spock approaches the mystery on the bridge, isn't there as well? With his deer stalker and his pipe. That was a weird moment. <laughs> no, that was in TNG, wasn't it, with Data? Um, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, he's, he, he, he's very Sherlock Holmes, the way that, the, the way that he's talking. Yes. Well, don't, doesn't he use a uh, Sherlock Holmes quote? Yeah, about eliminating the impossible and whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. Oh, I thought it was, I thought it was the other quote, pass me the syringe, that one. <laughs> This is taking a funny turn, this, this this Star Trek movie, hasn't it? Well, Sherlock Holmes is always shooting up, isn't he? That's what I mean. Spock's on the floor. He's turned <laughs> green. Violin. No, hang on. And a syringe. <laughs> all surrounded by syringes and a violin. Look, I know, he's figuring it out. Don't worry. This is what he does. This is his process. <laughs> um, did you notice that on the Klingon ship that they use uh, holographic communication tech? That's all the rage now in modern Trek, isn't it, these days? That's true. Yeah, must have nicked it from the Klingons. Uh, have you heard that theory that they always had holographic uh, capabilities on on Star Trek, but they choose yeah. not to use them because they're unreliable? Yes, the they have. Series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what yeah. a lot of crap! Or, yeah, rubbish. <laughs> Look, I, let's say this now. I don't mind modern Trek not looking like old Trek and mm -hmm. having Trek set in the same period as old Trek and having all this modern gizmos, that does not bother me at all. It doesn't really bother me either, to be honest with you. No. 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 That's what? not my, that is the least of my issues with modern Trek. Yeah. I, the, the, uh, the, the tech and the look is one thing, but when you start to mess with characters, yeah, established and, and poor characters writing. And, poor, and bad writing, yeah, that's yeah. something completely different, yeah. Yeah. So we, we get to the trial, don't we? We do, yeah, which is, uh, it's a good scene. I like it. Um, I, the only weird thing is about it is that, well, we've got Worf, who's not Worf. He's an ancestor of Worf. Yeah, stunt casting. Um, it is. Mm -hmm. It also means he's been in the most episodes and films of Star Trek than any other mm. actor. Who'd have thought it? Yeah, yeah, not me. Not him, I imagine, for a while. <laughs> but he gets some rubbish lines, though. But he, he has a rubbish line that... Uh, is, is, I, I'm not sure about it. It's the one where he goes, like... Uh, they say, like, oh, these two people boarded the Klingon ship. 
And the guy's like, oh, he's like, oh, oh, you say they boarded the ship, but there was no gravity. How did they walk? Mm -hmm. And everyone goes, mm, gravity boots. Yeah, he's not a very good lawyer, is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only reason that line is in there is so Spock can go, hmm, mm. gravity boots. Yeah. But, you know, it's how how would anybody bought a spaceship which doesn't have... In a world where gravity boots exist, that would be the obvious answer. He, his, his dialogue reminds me of how old school Doctor Who companions used to talk. You know? <laughs> That's right. So they could push the story yeah. forwards. Yeah, it was a bit like Right. That. Yeah. Um, and the trial always felt a bit too civilised for Klingons. I mean, would Klingons even have lawyers? Yeah, would they, would they even have a trial uh, that isn't a trial by combat? It would be a trial by combat, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. But, Probably. Okay. But maybe that's uh, just our racist opinion of Klingons. Could be, could be. You know, we have been, we have been accused of that in the past. So. Uh, of being racists? <laughs> against Klingons. <laughs> oh, well, specifically. Okay. So the Klingon translating Chang's words. Did did you uh, did you hear about this? No, go on. Uh, he is meant to be a demoted Captain Clare from Star Trek V, and again he's played by Todd Bryan. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's never mentioned in Doesn't the movie, but but right, right, but it's just uh... it's the same actor. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Imagine being demoted to that. Yeah, exactly. As a Klingon. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Uh, the trial is the first time in, in Star Trek, actual Star Trek canon, that we get confirmation that the T in Kirk's name stands for Tiberius as well. Didn't, in the animated series, they said it was uh, Bem, yeah. his middle name. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know. And if you, and if you remember okay. back to um, Where No Man Has it's Gone uh, Before, it? it's an R, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe don't they say that um, Gary Mitchell's memory was was mixed up because of the alien force that had taken him over or something? That's yeah, right. Yeah, That's yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. There's an answer yeah. for everything. You yeah. gotta love Star Trek fans. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Where does the Bem come from then? Who knows? Who knows? Okay. Is is the animation canon? Depends on who you speak to. It I must think. be right. Well, then it's animation. Is animation ever canon? It is now. Lower Decks is canon, apparently. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, can I, can I interject here? I, I tried to watch Prodigy. Oh, did you? I, watched, I tried to watch the first episode. Mm -hmm. I got halfway through it and turned it off. It's not Star Trek. It could be anything. You could call it Star Wars Prodigy and not change any of the characters. Yeah, I kind of thought maybe that would be the It's got nothing to do with Star Trek. It's Janeway in it. She's not in the pilot, but she comes into it eventually. They do borrow from Star Trek in later episodes, but the beginning is just, it could be anything. Could have called it Babylon 5 Prodigy, <laughs> and I would go, oh, yeah, because it's just nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I kind of thought that's probably what it was like. I've never tried. I've never even given it a chance, to be honest with you. No, don't bother. So I like the way this trial is filmed. I get the feeling that it was much smaller than the way it looks on Screen. Yeah, I think I think it was a tiny. Set, I think they yeah. did a good job. Yeah. yeah, it was interesting how Chang uses um, Kirk's history against him, doesn't he? Always past discretions coming back to bite him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. that wasn't a nice moment. Yeah. yeah, and when everyone is reacting on the bridge to the sentencing, and the camera finally settles on Spock, 
it just stays on him for a few moments, doesn't it? And it shows us that he's get he, well, he's kind of getting his thoughts and his emotions together before he gets up and then he steps into action, doesn't he? I thought that was a nice little moment. Um, but well, this whole next scene really um, is just th- yeah. that leads into the next scene, which is just basically characters talking and trying to fathom out what's going on. Yeah, we should say that they they sentence Kirk and McCoy to a Klingon prison planet called Rarapente. Mm-hmm. Um, they were going to execute mm-hmm. him, but in the spirit of goodwill because of the peace conference, and they got their sentence commuted to that. Uh, I believe that Rarapente is based on uh, Butlins. <laughs> What's your problem with butlers? <laughs> actually, no answer. I know. I know. Well, what, I know what it is. Yeah, what's my What's my problem? Well, I should point out that this is eighties, nineteen eighties butlers that is clearly based on a POW <laughs> camp. I'm, I'm not even a nice no. one. <laughs> one of those that has you building bridges. <laughs> one of those. Uh, one, one of those. those. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get where you're coming from. I've had, I've had holidays yeah. like that yeah. as a kid as well, so you know. <laughs> right, yeah. So on the on the Enterprise, Spock is investigating, and there was a weird neutron energy surge. That's right. Yeah. That they need to mm-hmm. detect. Wow. You 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 wouldn't uh, get a scene like this today, would you? Where it's just it's just it, I mean, it's quite a long scene. Well, they're just figuring yeah. out. Yeah. You'd yeah. have to intersperse that with some some sort of flashy bits or something like that now, wouldn't you? Well, I don't mean, hey, you know, I'm not talking about the long, long coat brigade, <laughs> yeah. you know. I think, did, didn't, didn't Kim Cattrall yeah. do that on <laughs> allegedly, the bridge? Allegedly, we don't know for sure. Allegedly, sure. yeah. Um, but yeah, you wouldn't get a scene like that in, in, in anything really today. No. I mean, certainly not a science fiction movie. No. Yeah, sorry, I just, it, 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 it makes me think of that scene in um, Bullet where they're waiting for the teletype yes. to come mm-hmm. through. It's like a five-minute scene of them just mm. waiting. I, I mean, you can't... You, how would you explain that scene to, uh, you know, a modern... <laughs> <laughs> it's, three, it's three guys and uh, an operator in the machine doing nothing for mm-hmm. five minutes, and it's one of the most tense scenes ever put to celluloid. Yeah. But it, it just wouldn't play yeah. today, I don't think. No. no, I don't think it would. Yeah. At the prison planet, why does the prison warden have a Russian accent? I mean, I know no, why, why, but... Because it's... <laughs> I'm talking... It... Well, have you been missing yeah. the whole point of but this? Uni- yeah, that actor, he, he took it a little bit too literal, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did. All right, oh, what's he doing? Well, well, every, every planet has a Russia. Is that right? To, to quote Doctor Who. All right. <laughs> to, to misquote Doctor Who, I should say. Okay. Um, Kirk and McCoy's whole attitude to, to being at this prison planet is like it's kind of like we've been in worse scrapes isn't it the, they, they take it quite well yeah yeah it is yeah. even when that massive alien's trying yeah. to steal um, Kirk's coat he's still kind of like cracking jokes and being quite blase well what else yeah. are you going to do yeah. that's Kirk though isn't it plus he doesn't speak English the alien yeah. so mm-hmm. uh, so we back, so now we get to see the kitchen on the we do, and there's a guy stirring a big pot, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, big, big soup yeah. for all. Yeah, yeah. And we see a chicken. I don't mean like running. We do. I mean, the, you know. No, no, no. It's, it's, cooked. It's, it's cooked. 
Yeah. And, and we get that whole bit with um, with uh, the phaser. She she fires the phaser and. How does Chekhov not know that you can't fire a phaser on a ship without alarms Isn't going off? Isn't he, at this point, supposed to be head of security as well? Well, even if he's not head of security, he has been on the Enterprise for 30-odd yeah. years, yeah. whatever, long time. So how does he not know this? It's a weird line to give to him. Yeah, again, though, that's... I think... Like, Valeris knows. She's the one who explains it, and she's a cadet. It's Nicholas Meyer, I think, serving the story rather than the characters. And there's a lot of that in this film. Yeah, there's, there's nobody... Like, you would have to have a character... Who's not... Who is yeah, a cadet yeah. or is new. Yeah. Like, you, you would think that would be in the manual from mm. the very beginning... Of like, don't fire a fa- if you fire a phaser on a starship, alarms go off and then security turns up. Oddly, oddly though, it doesn't. Yeah. It, even though it doesn't make any sense, it, it it doesn't bother me that much. All right, yeah, All right, you're okay with it because you, you 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 don't like Chekhov and you think he's an <laughs> idiot, right? So that's why. No, no, because it's. I, I'm conscious of the fact that that what whatever I say can be turned against me in terms of my opinion of modern Star Trek. So... <laughs> okay. All right. So the, the reason they're doing this is because they're looking for the gravity yeah. boots and Chekhov suggests that why wouldn't they just mm-hmm. be vaporized? And that's why he says... Also, Spock says, we're all, we're having the refuse looked through. You know that would be our job, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 If I go... go Lieutenant? Colin, could you... Uh, Got a job for you. <laughs> Put these marigolds on. <laughs> I've already been wearing them. <laughs> Are you just wearing them all the time? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you know, I'd be working. I'd, what what job would? All right, here we go. What job would you be doing on a starship? On a starship, uh, and uh, assuming captain's off the table. Yes, of course. Oh, all right. Um, I think I'd be in navigation, mapping, and. You know, that kind of... Something to do with the sciences. You know I'd be cleaning the toilets, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know that. I'd, I'd pass you by and I'd be like, oh, look, there's, there's Paul. <laughs> toilets look very clean today, Paul. <laughs> very, very good job. Thank you. <laughs> um, I did like Chekhov's reaction to the, like, when the muscle-bound security guys come in. And he, he kind of pats them on the back and he treats them like little kids, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Yeah, mm. I thought that was yeah. a nice moment. Yeah, uh, Duran's delivery of um, there's nothing wrong with the bloody thing. It always tickles me that that line. Oh, then uh, then Spock says something, and then he's like, "Oh, yeah, Could instantly." Take weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that would be us. Yeah. <laughs> that would be us. <laughs> that looks. Oh yeah, yeah. Looks like a long job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then, then uh, Spock does the line, if I know the captain, he's deep into planning his escape. And we cut to... Him getting his ass kicked. Getting his ass kicked. Uh, I mean, obviously, Kurt would get into a fist fight with an alien on his first day, wouldn't he? Yeah, if he's not kissing one, he's punching one. Exactly. You know, that's actually Shatner falling into that fire. Did it himself. Did he? Mm. 
Refuse, like, uh, refuse the stunt double. Refu- I'm not having a stunt double. I'm going to fall on that fire himself. And Josh, the guy's going, yeah. <laughs> he's lighting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, make it bigger. Make it bigger. <laughs> the the knee gonads were a fun gag as well. I mean, he's silly. I mean, the, yeah. the logistics of knee sex boggle the mind, don't they, really? You thought about it then. Well, I mean, how would it happen? They'd have to kneel down in front. Would they kneel down in front of each other and just rub their knees together? I, I mean, oh, you're saying that the female of the species also has the genitals in the knees, not just the male. Oh, that's a thought. That's a good point, actually. Doesn't yeah, necessarily. You just assumed that they both have the same place. They could be in the armpits or something, couldn't they? Yep. Yep. Hmm. I'll have to Google that later and see what I find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to Google knee and armpit sex. Do, do some research, Colin. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's what you can tell the yeah, police. Yeah. There's, there's bound to be some documentaries, you know, documentaries out there, you know. Yeah, I'm sure there will mm-hmm, be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then we get the scene where Kirk and McCoy are talking at night in the bunk bed area. Yes. Yeah, we do. And... McCoy's reactions um, to 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 Kirk, he's completely like he, he he's flabbergasted by Kirk, isn't he? Doesn't quite. Yeah, this. I think McCoy gets the best lines of most of the films in this. I one. think he does. I yeah. like that. That what is it with you anyway? Yeah, when when he's kissing um, Martia, who turns up. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and also, it's quite poignant as Kirk's realizing his own failings in his life as well. I think. This is where he starts to come to the the conclusion that his idea that he's scared of the future yeah. because well he's not scared of the future he's scared of a future that has no place for him in it yeah 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 it's, it's being that he's wrapped up in Starfleet and he is an officer and he is a warrior in a sense even though it, he's a bit more thoughtful than a Klingon if you put this with with the stuff in Star Trek two. I'll say again, I mean, Nick Meyer gets, he gets Kirk, I think, in a lot of ways that, that other writers and directors don't. Yeah. And I think he gets Kirk better than Shatner does, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, I don't know if I've, we've ever discussed my opinion of actors thinking they know their characters mm-hmm. better than anybody else, mm-hmm. but yeah. they don't. No, no, that's what writers are for. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then we. That's why you should never let an actor. Decide what their character is going to do in the future. <laughs> Pickard. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what was that? You got a, a cold? Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. Uh, and so we cut to back to the Excelsior, and we get Officer Christian Slater. We do, yeah, because he delivers a message to uh, Sulu, and it's nicely filmed in kind of shadow. Did I, did I ever tell you about the time I hung out with Christian Slater? No. Oh well. Back in 1990, I became friends with Christian Slater when he was in the UK filming Prince of Thieves. We bonded over our love of flightless birds. Christian, for he allowed me to use his first name, but only on informal Fridays and only when we were alone, had a secret dream regarding penguins. One evening, quite by chance, we happened to be near Chester Zoo and I suggested we take a look at the penguin enclosure. It was so nice to see his little face light up with joy. It wasn't very busy, being out of the tourist season, and for a while Christian pressed his face against the algae-smeared glass and watched the varied collection of southern rockhoppers, emperors and gentoos bob and weave. He would chuckle as they flopped ungainly across the rocky landscape, 
and he would occasionally lapse into a Jack Nicholson impression as they ruffled their hind feathers in his direction. But he needed to be closer. I was surprised to learn that he desired to cavort with the feathery ones, but that emotion gave way to pure astonishment when he removed from his mighty mouse knapsack an old dented tin of Swarfiga. For those uneducated in the way of deep cleaning products, Swarfiga is mainly used to remove oil from the skin and it was introduced to Christian by Michael Keaton. Keaton would smother his own body so he could easily slip in and out of his Batman costume. Not the one he used in the movies, but the one he prefers to wear on Sunday afternoons whilst weeding his neighbour's immaculate lawn against their wishes. Apparently, Christian had discovered that he also enjoyed being covered in the green and sometimes orange if he was feeling fruity concoction and wanted nothing more than to be lathered from head to toe in this odd smelling mixture and then party with the penguins. It's difficult to say no to a Hollywood star so as he stripped off and I heated my fingers on a Rugrats hand warmer that Christian had knitted in between filming on Young Guns 2, I started to apply the Swarfiga to his sinewy body. Apparently, he maintained his healthy physique by strictly exercising with aquatic birds, and I must say, I was impressed by his condition, but not too impressed that it became awkward. Without hesitation, almost as if he'd done this before, he threw himself in. I'm not sure he was more startled, myself or the penguins, but it didn't take them long to get used to this celebrity interloper silently slipping through the water like a smaragdine squid. Some of the penguins joined him, others decided to leave. Penguins can be terribly fussy about which Swarfiga covered actor they interact with. It's a personal preference based partly on experience but mostly on prejudice. Back and forth he went, never breaking a stride. We managed to leave the zoo with only a minor disagreement with security and, as a slimy, dripping wet Christian was carried upside down by a burly, bewildered guard who, and I quote, exclaimed, Ain't seen nothing like it. Christian described it as the best day of his life. And, this is a man who has acted alongside Winona Ryder, so the bear was already pretty high. For me, less so, but I could certainly understand the depth of his feelings. In all these years, I've never been back to Chester Zoo, Partly because I now live in America, but mostly because I'm banned. But whenever I see a penguin or a tin of Swarfiga, I'm always reminded of Christian Slater being free with the birds. And I know, deep down, probably somewhere near my ilium, that dreams can come true, even if they shouldn't. Yeah, that's probably true though, Colin, actually. It is because your dream is to meet Scarlett Johansson and nobody wants that to happen. Especially her, is that what you're saying? Yeah, oh, definitely her, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, thank you for that little tale there, Colin. Um, oh, yeah, all true. I'm sure it is. I have no no doubt in my mind. Mm-hmm. Christian Slater's mother was the casting director of this uh, this movie, wasn't she? Oh, I didn't know that. When I The story that I was told was that Christian Slater is a big Star Trek fan and just wanted to be in it because he was on... He was, was on the studio a lot at the time filming something else. Yeah, yeah. I think it helped that his mother was the casting director as well. I guess so, but it's not really a part no. that you would want your mum to help you get. And especially as they, they film it in shadow anyway, it's only as his voice yeah. that you recognise. Yeah, and, and the her. <laughs> you see the outline Yeah, I her. guess so, yeah. Did, yeah. You, uh, did you read about the costume that he's wearing? 
No, what is? It? I mean, it's a Star Trek costume. But... Yeah, he's actually wearing um, Shatner's trousers from Star Trek Two. How the heck does Shatner's <laughs> pants fit Slater? I know. And in an interview afterwards, he said that it was an honor to get into Shatner's pants. Nice, like it. <laughs> he also framed his paycheck of seven hundred and twenty dollars. Is that how many watch for that scene? Yeah, yeah. Probably scale, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. yeah. Union. Okay. All right. So we... Um, well, they find Klingon blood. They do. They find Klingon the blood. On the transporter pads. Yeah. And it leads back to Crewman Dax, who has some uh, amazing eyebrows. You like his eyebrows? I, did, I mean, yeah, they're, they're his least impressive feature, Paul, because what is his massive feature? Because they find the boots, the gravity boots mm -hmm. in the locker, and the locker it matches the name Dax, so they pull Dax in, and then Chekhov is doing his like, aha, it's you who did it, and then they look at his feet, and he's got massive feet. <laughs> yeah, they're like webs. Boots. They're like webs. Yes, the web. It's a fun yeah. gag. It's a fun gag. It's a fun gag. Obviously, everybody would have seen his feet before he'd even walked into the room, yeah. but, you know, yeah. it is a fun gag. And and that's where it finishes with Valeris giving this look that the first time you watch it, you think, oh, it's because they got the wrong person and she's mm -hmm. annoyed. But when you know that she's the culprit, you know that she's annoyed that the two accomplices have screwed up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Back on the back on the alien, well, back on the back on the Klingon penal colony. Kirk's girlfriend <laughs> is a shapeshifter. Yeah, he's, his look of disgust when he he sees her turn into an alien male. I thought, yeah. aren't we supposedly living in enlightened times in uh, the twenty third century? <laughs> you know, but I suppose it's oh, Kirk, you think isn't it? you think he would have just well. <sighs> I mean, you still, no matter who you are, and no matter, you're going to be startled by the fact that the person you just made love with is not the same shape as the person you thought they were. I suppose, I suppose, but I'm sure Kirk's put his space cock in worse places, right? <laughs> no, hold on, can we just can we just point out that you refer to Captain Kirk's penis as space cock? Everyone refers to Captain Kirk's penis as space cock. He's, everybody on the Enterprise yeah, or just everybody in the world? Every, everybody everybody is Starfleet. It's legendary, isn't it? He's legendary Spacecock. He spent Do five, you think he refers to it as that? Oh, Captain Spacecock. Yeah. Captain Space. He spent five years out there with his Spacecock. Out for everybody, <laughs> wasn't it? You know. I don't know. You're, you're leaning towards the 2009 version of Kirk. In, <laughs> in reality, he did not go with as many women as you're saying. That is did. true. That is true. Although it, it, that's that's all anybody ever thinks about in modern Trek is that what Kirk was like. If you if you look at the seasons, the all three seasons of, of Star Trek, yes, the first two maybe not so much, but he does he does cop off quite a lot in that third season. Oh, would you say that McCoy and Spark cop off just as much? Not as much as as Kirk in that third season. Well, McCoy has a few. He does. He has the first. He has a salt it. monster at the beginning. <laughs> And then he has the blonde in the uh, one with the rabbit. That's true. That's true. Shaw leave. Yeah, he does actually. Episode. You're thinking about it. Yeah. 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 Maybe they had a tally going on. Yeah, you mean they were all competing? Yeah. Oh, Spock lost that tally. He did, didn't they? Yeah. The only mm. time he ever, he ever managed to uh, uh, get a lady friend, and, and that was only because some flower came all over his face, didn't it? <laughs> 
Yeah, not the phrase I'd use, <laughs> but all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. It's uh, it's amazing location photography when we see them walking across the ice and snow, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Pretty sure William Shatner never set foot in that snow, but yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if DeForest Kelly set foot there. No, nobody did. He's not making it back, is he? <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's the second second unit crew, and they're like, what we got to do? <sighs> yeah. It's freezing. I did like how they acknowledged that McCoy is the oldest, because he's struggling the most with this. Yes, yeah. yeah. I thought that was nice. And he's like, Le- leave me here. Let me die. Because it's always... It's always a tendency when casts get older to just ignore it, isn't it? Yes. Like Roger. Yeah, that's Like true. Roger in James like Bond. Like Roger Moore, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah where he's, he's, he's banging women that are young enough to be his granddaughter. I, I always think that those films would have worked better, those later films, if they'd have acknowledged that he was getting older, that he was an older James Bond. Oh, you think like if the other characters made a point of it? Yeah. I mean, they kind of did that in, in No Time to Die, didn't they? When he meets that other agent. And he, yes, she gives him yeah. the suit to put on, and he starts to unbutton it, and thinking that, oh, I'm, I'm going to get some here, and she's like, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. yeah. So, what do you think about the drunken board Klingon scene? Then we've got there eventually the Nichelle Nichols Uhura scene. I'm sure this is the one that we were talking about earlier. The one the Enterprise is heading to Rorapente, and they going past a communications mm-hmm. base and the Klingon who's bored yeah. and at some lonely outpost sees the ship on his scanner and starts communicating to him to say like, who are you? Why are you going past? And then Chekhov says they can't use the universal translator because the fact that it's a computer will be detected by the Klingons. Mm-hmm. They have to answer personally. Yeah. So they've got books everywhere. And they're going through these books to to try and translate what the Klingons are saying. Mm-hmm. And then translate what they're going to respond with mm-hmm. into Klingon. Mm-hmm. It's nonsense because why couldn't they have the computer translate the Klingon into English on a screen and just go, oh, yeah, that's what yeah. it says. The Klingons are not going to detect that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then why couldn't they get the computer to translate the English reply into Klingon on a screen and then just read it back? Yeah. Why are they using books? Why Uhura, who this is her job, and we've seen these communication people in other Star Trek mm-hmm. shows, for example, Enterprise, mm-hmm. where they they actually learn languages because yeah. mm-hmm. that's, that's their job. job yeah, yeah, it's a. <laughs> It's, it's a dumb. It's a dumb scene. Doesn't I mean? It's played for laughs. It's supposed to be funny, and I'm and I'm trying to think back to when I saw it the first time. I probably thought it was amusing yeah. and laughed at it because it's great. But now I watch it, I'm like, yeah, this makes no sense. This scene. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And and Nichelle Nichols herself, she hated it. She she. she this is it, so it okay. No yeah, it, well. it's dumb. She should she she should have been able to communicate. And, and pulled it off. And and maybe I have like Chekhov going, well, are you sure this is right? What are you, what are yeah. you doing? And, and then she's going like, trust me, I've got this. Where's the library that in, on the Enterprise that they keep these massive volumes <laughs> as well? Why why do they have a book library <laughs> on the Enterprise? I mean, people today don't have book <laughs> <Exactly>. libraries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, why isn't everything just on a pad? Exactly. Exactly. It makes no sense. And, you know, interesting. it's interesting <laughs> that in 2009 Star Trek, Zoe Saldana's Uhura 
speaks fluent Klingon in that movie. Yeah, and in um, what's the communication expert's name in Enterprise? Hoshi. Hoshi, yeah. yeah. Even Hoshi, she's learning languages. Mm-hmm. I mean, she can think on her feet. In, in yeah, that and, and and this is the and she's the first person to actually yeah. be doing this kind of. Work. I mean, Uhura's been out there for five years in deep space, communicating with God knows yeah, what she, aliens. She's been coasting. Yeah, she? it seems that way, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it makes no sense. All I got to do is press this yeah, button. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. So then we get the uh, the fight with the two Kirks. We do. When we get that great line, you know, I can't believe I kissed you. Must have been a lifelong ambition. Yeah, apparently um, Nicholas Meyer thought that maybe Shatner might might push back against that, but he was all for it. He thought it was funny. Yeah, I think I think Shatner would find mm. that funny. He he knows what people think, especially at this point in his and life. And he play yeah. he plays up yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah. Um, that shot of the fake Kirk being vaporized was used in the trailer as a fake out to make people think that maybe Kirk died in this movie. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Mm. You you think that kind of behavior is a modern thing with using scenes that don't really appear in films? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think they cropped it so that you only because in the shot you see both of them stood together when the yep. one gets vaporized. I think they cropped it so that you only saw the one get vaporized. Right. Although you'd be kind of an idiot if you fell for the fact that they'd given away Kirk died in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is that. Also, there's the fact that well, we've already killed Spock. It's not like you can't bring him back. Yeah, it's Star Trek. definitely. Yeah, yeah, and and that whole uh, thing with Spock dying at the beginning of Star Trek Two was a fake out in itself, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's funny when they get beamed up as well, just as the warden is about to reveal who the villains are. That's a, that's a fun. Yeah, like, yeah, like son it? of a, and they beam up. Yeah. Like, they're, when they're back <laughs> on the transport, he's like, "You want to go back?" Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, it's cold." Yeah. <laughs> Why after that do we hear a message of Uhura saying, Deck 9, remain at battle stations? What are the other decks doing? <laughs> if I was on Deck 9, I'd be like, hmm, I'll take the uh, turbo lift down to Deck 7. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think I want to be on this deck. <laughs> Maybe Deck 9's where the guns are kept. Oh, yeah, <laughs> just just on deck nine. Okay. Yeah, they're just right. they're nowhere else. Yeah, because yeah, it's the scene when Scotty finds the uniform, and you can hear it in the background. Yeah, that scene as well. So they search the ship from bow to stern. Their words. Yeah, yeah. Except yeah. that huge rattling air vent that's in that dining room that no one's sat in apart from Scotty. <laughs> well, you know, maybe. And may, why, why? Maybe maybe Chekhov was searching that one. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, we all know, don't we? You know his methods. Yeah. Um. What? Why is Why is Scotty reading technical manuals for a what twenty five year old ship that he's been on for his entire career? Well, maybe that's that's just his bedtime reading. He likes reading stuff he already knows. Well, you, something familiar. Have you never read a book that you've read before? Oh yeah, yeah. But well, then he's just rereading it. He's just, <laughs> he's looking at it. He's going, oh, it's nice to see some things haven't changed. Yeah, all right, I'll give you that. It's comfort one. reading for him. <laughs> yeah, all right. So they find the two bodies of the conspirators, uh, and they were killed by a phaser at stun at close range, which is a new one. Yes, yes. I suppose it would kill you, wouldn't it? If you yeah. did it right at someone's temple. Which is what it, it was, yeah, yeah. 
I'm guessing it's Valerius, as we're going to find out in a minute. I'm guessing it's Valerius that did this. She yeah, she would have just told them they want to, she wants to meet them and then kill them. Mm. Because they'd already screwed up once. That's right, yeah. Well, technically they screwed up twice because they always brought blood back with them as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they deserve to die. So when they find out that it that it's uh, Valerius who is at the heart of the conspiracy, I'm glad that it wasn't Savic that they used for this because I think it would have it would have felt really off. Yeah, I think it would have been an interesting long arc for her character. But it would. Uh, do, I mean, I it would have been ruined by the fact that it had been played by three different actors. But that's true. Yeah. I, I I think it might have felt like it just came out of left field. It would have been different if they sowed the seeds of it. Yeah, if they planted in, something in, in Star Trek three, maybe. Yeah, yeah, but, but she, just to do it in that. But in then, this movie. but then she was no, actually, wouldn't it work because she was there when um, Kirk's son was killed, and she was in love with him. Yeah, I suppose maybe yeah. that's what they were going for originally, because it was originally meant to be savage. Yeah, so maybe that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, and then, been, then you could have well. had an interesting scene between Kirk and her because she could have been like, why aren't you thinking the way I am? Because he was your son. I take it back. That is actually really good. Mm. I'd rather I'd rather that than this now, <laughs> than what we actually get. <laughs> oh, I spun you around. <laughs> you did. I beg your pardon. Uh, <laughs> um, Nimoy plays um, seething, quiet Vulcan rage really well, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Yeah, and because yeah. he's so controlled all the time, when he when he slaps that phaser out of her hand, he's it's a yeah. really powerful moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then that leads us into her uh, questioning, which Spock does by mind melting her, which is basically rape through the mind. It's mind rape. Know. Yeah, basically, and it and it's played like it is a big deal, and it's painful, and it's it's not something you want to be doing. Unlike uh, mind melding used in modern Trek, which appears to be just something you can do to anyone whenever you feel like it. Yeah, when you think back to what the very first episode that um, they use mind melding, I'm sure that Spock tells everyone that it's a very dangerous thing to do because he has to make certain adjustments to nerve endings and blood vessels and things like that in people's brains. Yeah, and then and then they quickly forget that themselves anyway. <laughs> don't they? Yeah, yeah, but but yeah. it's a good scene. It's a good it's scene. Played it's played well by the actors. It's quite uncomfortable to watch, I think. Yeah. Um, especially when she starts screaming at the end. Yeah. She really sells it, doesn't she? Yes. Apparently Nimoy wasn't, he wasn't sold on the idea of doing this. He didn't, he felt that maybe it would be something that, that would reflect badly on Spark, I think. Yeah, but I think, you know, because of everything she's done, mm-hmm. I think they got the balance right. Yeah, uh, and, I, I, and the, the, the only thing I I'm not keen on is the questioner, not just from the names of the people involved in the conspiracy, but also the location of the conference, mm-hmm. which they don't get from her because mm-hmm. finally he's like she doesn't know, and then they just go, oh, let's ask Sulu. <laughs> You're like, yeah. oh, could have asked Sulu before then. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> George Takai is only getting certain moments in this movie. <laughs> he's he's well, not getting many. Well, yeah, but he's getting more than, say, you hear us getting. That's true. That, that make more sense, anyway. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, it's a good scene. It, it, it works in, in what it is. Um, yeah. 
And it turns out that Admiral Cartwright, Chang, and the Romulan ambassador are all involved in it. Yeah, does he get any lines, that Romulan ambassador? He doesn't, does he? he get, I think yeah, he I gets think. one line, doesn't he say, line. I, I don't know what to believe, or something like that, oh, okay. to the president. Right. Yeah, Not yeah. much. And he's a balding Romulan as well. Don't see that very well. Oh. No. <laughs> it's such a new thing. You notice yeah. when I, when characters are balding now. Well, I'm trying to relate, you know. Okay. All right. It, it's a nice line from Spock when he says, I've been dead before. As yes, well. it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get another good scene with Spock and Kirk uh, in his quarters where Kirk goes to see him and they go over each other's mistakes. And, and this is the scene that I, I, I was alluding to earlier when I said that it really illustrates how these two men are still such good friends after all these years and everything that's all the water under the bridge, even in this movie, at the beginning of this movie, yeah. doesn't really matter. Right. That they've yeah. got each other's backs no matter what. Yeah, it's a good scene. And it ends with Spock being insulted as being, when he's referred to as, as, he says, doesn't Kirk say everyone's human? And he says, yes. I find that remark insulting. That's classic Star Trek right there, that is. It is, yeah. In fact, in many ways, I think that this film feels like a classic Star Trek episode. Right, and mm-hmm. yes. And I, I think it's it's classic Star Trek because they got the characters right. Exactly, yeah. That, that is, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Enterprise approaches Kitimer and they have no idea where the cloak bird of prey is. Uh, and this whole That's bit... That's right. And all, also Excelsior is on the way to help. It's all very submarine-like, isn't it? This whole bit. Yep, yeah. Because don't they even say the rig for silent running? Maybe they do. Yeah, I think I think they they, they say that the the Klingon ship is rigged for silent running. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good space battle. Yeah, it's I good, think. and the explosions are good, and the model works excellent. Yeah. I, I really like the shot of the torpedo crashing through the saucer section. I thought that was something that we've not seen before as well. Yeah. In Star Trek. Yeah. But Kirk and Spot figure out how to locate the bird of prey using its exhaust fumes. Now, interestingly, George Takai has said in the past that it was originally Sulu and the Excelsior that figures it all out, but Shatner objected, feeling that Kirk shouldn't need another captain's help. Yeah, i got to say, it should be Kirk who figures it out. Well, he's the lead, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the the one weird thing is Doctor McCoy helping Spock with a with a torpedo. Yeah, surely there's an engineer that they could have borrowed. <laughs> well, shouldn't it be shouldn't it be Scotty? I, I, I can let it the, the fact that it's not Scotty go because he's in the they're in the middle of a battle and he's in the engine room trying to hold everything together. Well, he's got people who can do that. That's what he's I'm not saying. On his own. So it should, could have been one or the other. It could have been Scotty. Or it could have been yeah. somebody from his team that goes to help Spock do that. Well, it'd have to be it'd have to be Scotty. You're not going to get an unknown actor suddenly turn up and help Spock. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just sort of in 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 terms of in universe story. You know, I get that it's got to be one of the main main actors in the movie. Right. You know, um, but yeah, M- McCoy is is an odd choice. Yeah. Because they're talking about torpedo pets and McCoy's just doing it. And you're like, how does McCoy know anything about torpedoes? He doesn't even know about Klingon medicine. Yeah, yeah. Or Virilian patches. And they, they they throw in lines, don't they? Like He says, oh, we've got a heartbeat and all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, to keep him like involved. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you think about this weird feud between Shatner and George Takai? Oh, we're going there? Well, we might as well. 
Well, it, it's weird that George Takei won't let it go. Yeah. Like, six, how long has it been now? So it was Star Trek 60s, 70, 80, 90. So it was like 60-odd years mm -hmm. ago. An actor on a show you worked on was a dick to you, mm -hmm. right? And you're still talking about it. I've had many jobs, and I've worked with people who are dicks to me, and I can't even remember the names of the incidents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, it's just a job. Get over it. Yeah, I feel the same. I kind of no, feel it's, I, it's all, I kind of feel that's how Shatner feels about it all as well. Probably. It's almost like Takei has nothing else to talk about at this point. Mm. Yeah, and, he, and when, when he... It's almost like when he, when he needs to... Um, promote himself a little bit he'll bring it up again yeah this yeah. is what he's this is his only thing yeah like where where Shatner doesn't talk about it because well obviously because he's the bad guy being seen as the bad guy but also he's got other work to talk about you, you ever seen that interview where Shatner's uh talking about this and he and he says I don't even know the guy I don't know anything about yeah. him <laughs> no because because like people think Actors love each other and spend all their lives together. It's just a job. Mm. It's like any other job. It's like working in a factory. It's like working in the office. You go to work. You do your job acting against this person. If you do it for seven years, you're probably going to become friends with them or not mm -hmm. because you don't become friends with everybody you work with. Look at chips. Or, and then you go on to the yeah. next thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, so so why? I don't, I don't get it. Just let it go and move on, mate. Yeah, I That's think what the I same. say. I mean, we're kind of biased in the fact that we kind of—I mean, I know I love him slightly more than you do, but we both kind of like Shatner, don't we? Yeah, but because you love him, I should take the opposite viewpoint. Mm -hmm. But I can't in this case mm -hmm. because I think Shatner's right. Let it go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So they destroy the bird of prey. Yes, they do. And then yeah. they beam down to yeah. the conference and they foil an assassination attempt on the president. And this is one of those scenes that, that made me think, something missing here. Because <laughs> isn't there an unmasking? <laughs> yeah, there is. But, yeah, But we didn't is. see it because we didn't watch that version. No. no. Uh, and I was, I'm not being funny, but Kurt jumping and landing on the president to save him, that would have killed him anyway, wouldn't it? Well, he, and plus he doesn't do it once. <laughs> He keeps jumping on him and knocking him over every time something happens. <laughs> President's like, will you, will you stop doing that? <laughs> he's just broken six ribs. <laughs> he's lucky if it's six. Although he's an alien. He could only yeah, have his, one. Yeah, he has 40 ribs for yeah. all I know. It could be all ribs. <laughs> <laughs> just ribs. Giant rib. Just one, one big yeah. rib. That's his nickname. One big rib. Yeah, President One Big Rib. That's his code name for when they're going, get one big rib out the room. <laughs> That's an assassin. Oh, this, this is rapidly degenerating. Get, get, get one big rib before Fat Boy jumps on him. What, Scotty? <laughs> That's, That's Kirk's yeah, code Kirk, name. Yeah, Kirk's like Scotty. <laughs> no, yeah. no, not Scotty, mate, no. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dream on. <laughs> He's Big Agus. Well, we're not very imaginative here with our code names. Blowed <laughs> his pipes. Yeah. Uh, so, so Kirk gives a speech because he has to because it's Kirk. Yeah, and, and everyone applauds. Yeah, they get a standing ovation and then don't they all get up onto the podium for one big hero shot at the end? 
Yeah, they, they stand do, up on the like, podium. And the applause keeps going, and and then and then uh, Kurt grabs the microphone and starts going like, uh, "Let me give you a song, <laughs> Rocket Man." <laughs> yeah, 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 or uh, the one from Pulp. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that would be amazing. Starts doing that. So it took Everyone's him 60 like, years. All right. Yeah. 60 years, but he's got it in there eventually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we cut back to the Enterprise and everyone, everyone's back. And Kirk says, uh, 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 it's, a, it's a fun line. He says, once again, we've saved the universe as we know it. Yeah. Oh, doesn't Mackay say something like, and we didn't get prosecuted or something yeah, this time? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, this whole bit kind of feels like one of those uh, scenes at the end of a Star Trek episode. Oh, what would they go? <laughs> well, maybe not that bad. Oh, well, not that bad. Kirk's right, like slapping you... his thigh as he's laughing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're twiddling it up. Yeah. Oh, Kirk's twiddling the brain control for Spark <laughs> and Spock's brain. Isn't that how that one ends? <laughs> yeah, I think so. They yeah. start laughing and he's just yeah. controlling it. Trying to turn him off or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Uhura gets the call that they're about to be decommissioned. And you kind of see the light die in Kirk's eyes for a second, don't you? Yeah. But Spock says to tell them all to go to hell. Yeah, yeah. And, and we get a nice use of a Peter Pan quote when Kirk says, second star to the he, right. He, oh, he slaps his thigh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then wires lift him up into the air. Oh, no, he's not. he's behind you Uh, no he says um, isn't it second star to the right and straight on till morning yes it is and Kurt gives one last log entry and he it's kind of like a handing over of the baton to the next generation isn't it yeah Yeah. instead of saying no man he stops himself and says no one has gone before that's right yeah and then we get the credits which are signatures of the actors yeah I have to say, it, it was it's kind of emotional even now as you see oh, the Enterprise. Did you start crying? Yeah, well, you see the Enterprise did frame, frame oh, by a star. Little it, tears. It flies off into the distance for the last, one last time. It's it's emotional. Mm. It's an emotional moment. Oh. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're dead inside. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> we've established you keep your heart in a box. you don't cry at Star effect, Trek, you're dead inside. Uh, yeah. And that is the end of Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. There we go. Look forward to when we do Star Trek Generations. (laughs) Oh, are we doing that one? All right. (laughs) I'm sure we will at one point. Wait, is it post-2000? I guess we have to move our goal at some point. I don't think it is. I think it's before 2000. Is it? All right. All right, so Paul, what did you think of Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country? This is a good, solid movie to end the original series on, isn't it? All the casts, they get their moments, little moments to shine. And some of them give what I think is arguably probably the best performances in the whole of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. The story's good. It does what Trek does best. It you know takes real-world events and then crafts an allegorical tale around them. Said it then, didn't I? Uh, I did, yeah. <laughs> tried not to show any emotion when you did it. And I'm drunker now than I, when I tried it earlier. Um, oh, have you been drinking? Oh, oh God. Should I, shouldn't have said that. No. Letting the mystery out. Speaking of mysteries, this film's got a good mystery at the heart of it. And it, it never feels padded or bloated, this film, I don't think. 
No. There is an argument that Kirk's reaction at first seems a bit out of character, but for me, when you consider, like you say, the death of his son, it all seems perfectly logical, Colin. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Also, they well, they forced him to blow up the Enterprise too, and his son. That's right. And his son blew up the Enterprise. Yeah. It'd be funny if that was the thing that he was mostly annoyed by. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, Spock's like, I, I know the Klingons killed your son. What? Son? Oh, yeah, 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 no, no, they made me blow up the Enterprise. That's what I really care about. <laughs> Love my Enterprise. <laughs> uh. He does that, doesn't he? He does, yeah. I don't think that Nicholas Meyer gives a shit about Star Trek canon or the logistics of the Star Trek universe at all. But honestly... It's all little things that I can overlook because they serve the story. He doesn't do it in a bad way. No. The, the the points where he doesn't follow canon makes the environment that we're in better. It, it, it feels a bit more real, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, this, this is a big hit for me. In my top three Star Trek movies, this is probably number three. So we're talking... Well, your number one could be tricky, but we're talking Star Trek The Motion Picture, Star Trek 2, Star Trek 6. You got it there. Yeah. Oh, okay. My, mine's number one is Star Trek Generations and then Star Trek 5. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> Insurrection. <laughs> so thank you for listening. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where, where do you stand on Star Trek 6 then? Uh, you, you pretty much said it all. Um I, I really enjoyed this film. It's, it's so glad that this is the last, I don't really call Star Trek Generations a original Star Trek film. So I'm glad that this is the final one and Star Trek V is not the final one. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like you said, I like the direction, I like the story, the mystery. There are some little quirks here and there that we've poked fun at during this podcast, but they don't really bother me that much. Mm-hmm. The effects are good. Um, like you said, the acting's great. The, the the actors in this feel totally at home with the characters that they're playing. Well, they should be by this point, shouldn't they? <laughs> they should be, but they don't always, because even in Star Trek V, when they're doing, even when they're trying to get that feel across with the camp scenes and things like that, there are scenes where you're like, mm, would you hear, you hear a really fun dance? Yeah, you know. I know. This doesn't really have many of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a solid, good film. And it's fun. So it's a hit all round. No, it's a miss. I hate it. No, it's a hit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do that gag every yeah, time. You do that gag every I time. I do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep, it's a hit. Oh, well, thank you for listening. Thank you to all our Patreon supporters. And don't forget that you can join Patreon and you can listen to all the extras that we have made. <laughs> but if you do join, we'll do them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the incentive for Paul to do some work for a change. What? <laughs> <laughs> also, you can listen to uh, songs and tracks from all the films and TV shows that we've reviewed on our Spotify playlist. And you can listen to old episodes because they're always the forever lingering. Forever. Yeah. 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 Like rot. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> what a tagline Paul a podcast (laughs) sticks here like mold (laughs) great we'll leave on that one then okay thank you for listening goodbye bye